This is Agents Influence Podcast. I'm a relationship kind of guy, and I like to build relationships with people. And it's like, well, yeah, I do too. I'm not in this business to be anybody's friend. You know, I'm trying to advocate to keep safe food on the tables of the millions of Americans that need it. And I take that real seriously. We're problem solvers, but the problem that we do not solve is your bringing. It's not worth it. A lot of that fitting process comes in, and you can just ask a few questions, and you've been in this long enough. You're going to know that the guys that are out shopping, because you can see it when it takes them six weeks to get you their loss. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 this is Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, where we give you the real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This is Jason Cass, your host, and today I am here. You probably saw it when you hit play, Mr. Cole Williams. Cole, how are you doing, sir? I'm well. How are you this morning, Jason? Doing fantastic. Before I get on to this, I want to remind people about WeGotYourPodcast.com. I created this for agents because we have the number one podcast. If you know anybody else that's doing your podcast, that's been doing other podcasts, a lot of the podcasts that you listen to every day, some of the big names out there, whether it's Ryan Hanley, David Carruthers, Eric Garcia, a bunch of these guys, we do their podcast. You have no idea that a lot of the production that you're getting is from WeGotYourPodcast.com. So if you want to create a niche inside Side of your industry to help your clients and build that authority, or if maybe you want to help it in the community and you want to create a platform so that you can help create some kind of connection, some kind of network that you can use to utilize to build and help people around you and your community, we got your podcast.com. I'm going to teach you the secrets. You're going to get me firsthand. I'm going to tell you how I took my podcast um, to be the number one in the insurance industry. I'm also going to show you and help you develop um, and understand how to get the best, best guests, how to get the best audience. It's what I've done. After almost 500 of these, I think I got it down a lot better than everybody else. So thank you. We got your podcast.com. Wanted to get to that. Cole, dude, welcome to the podcast, dude. I'm glad we finally got together. Yeah, me too. It seemed like uh it, it seemed like a little bit of a challenge to get here. And for um somebody as as young as I am, I'm 34. Bam. I've got, I, I had something set, uh, something wonky with my computer settings the first time around. That uh, that's right. Because you know, like uh, I, I can't stand when you're, you know, when you're doing research on a prospect or or any kind of uh, any kind of business, you naturally want to use the internet. And um, just in general, I try to create less data, and so I have a bunch of permissions and stuffs turned off on my computer. And I imagine, you know, whatever something with Squadcast or whatever situation yeah. was had a problem with it. And then it took us a while because then we were going to redo it. And then bang, COVID hit. It was like, okay, you know, so I think if it didn't go this time, dude, I was just going to forget about it. No, (laughs) Somebody was trying to tell us something. So anyways, man, let's get, let's get, let's get to that relate because relating is how we create relationships. Are you an iPhone or you a droid user? I'm an iPhone guy. Okay. Next. What's the next app that you downloaded? What's the last app? The last Uh, app. It was a, a Sudoku puzzle game. <laughs> okay, see, see, everybody's got their thing. You keep you know? sharp, I guess, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, and that, that game is tough. I am terrible at that game. Yeah. I mean, and loyal listeners, you know what you should have downloaded, and you should too. Go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store, Agency Intelligence app. Everything is right there for you. Check out this app, dude. You're going to get it, and you're going to be like, dang, Cass spent some money on this. That's right, because you're worth it. Nay, Cole. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh man, um, I, I uh, both. Okay, <laughs> you know, I, it, it varies. I mean, I um, when I when I was in high school, I was on. Um, I played sports. I was a uh, you know varsity football player. Did play baseball, golf, all those kinds of things. But the thing that I probably enjoyed the most at high school was I was on a, a competitive debate team. And uh, won national tournaments, won national awards. And um, so that – so when you ask that question, do you hate to lose or love to win, it depends (laughs) depends on 
what the question well yeah what pursuit i'm engaging in if it's an intellectual pursuit um competing with another agent telling a different story i love to win um if it's a sporting event i hate losing just ugh, hate Man, it great that's good cole <laughs> cole you really broke that down because a lot of people when they hear you say both it's kind of like oh shit he's taking the cop out right yeah. no no that was good dude that was good i got this uh, other guest that was on you loyal listeners probably listened to it already yitzi wiener um, he is a fabulous guy. And if you listen, when you guys listen to the way he broke down, Cole, you, I, I don't know, probably at the time that this is going live, you've actually maybe already listened to his, but he, um, the way he broke it down, he broke it down like philosophically why people think this way and think that way. I was like, dang, Yitzi, it was awesome. It was really, really good. So skill or luck, if you had to say that was one thing, I know it's probably more, but if there was these two things, what would be the one out of that? Would you say has it attributed to where Cole is today, skill or luck? Um, you know, I'm a I'm a pretty avid golfer, and there's a saying in golf that sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and that's and that's kind of a fun. Well, you know, you you hit a bad shot and it ends up working out, whatever. In in this world, um, I think it's skill and preparation. And I think there's also the saying luck favors the prepared. And so, you know, part of, part of what, what I do is um, as a specialist in the meat, you know, meat and food service industry is I'm continually honing what I know about the industry and what the best practices are so that they can be employed in the skills that I bring to the table, to my customers and my community. Love that, dude. Love that. Let's get on to more of who you are, because I don't know if I've ever talked to a risk advisor that is uh, is is specialized in, I think, as you say here, the meat and food processing industry. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Cole, I want to dissect that whole thing, right? I want to talk about prospecting. I want to talk about that line of business, why you chose that. What are those sales techniques? Um, I really just want to know, right? And it's not that so other people can get into your line of business. It relates to all niches. You know that. Mm -hmm. um, you probably do a couple different niches in that. But before we get there, take us back to college. In about three to four minutes, bring us forward to how you got to where you are right now. Give us that. Give us that background. Yeah. Um, so I work, uh, I work for my, uh, my third generation family agency. And, um, when I was, you know, when I was in college, I studied, um, English writing and literature, you know, I was like, Oh, hey. I really know what I, really I was going to do with that. And, um, <laughs> so when I, when I graduated college, I was working at a, um, a trailer building plant, Great Dane trailers. They build refrigerated trailers for, you know, they, they have, they build all kinds of trailers, but I worked at the refrigerated plant and, uh, found that I liked doing that. You know, I like, I liked working with my hands and, and being technical. And because I was kind of had some aimless direction in my life, I, I decided I was going to go to the Navy and, wow. um, I just kind of thought, you know, travel the world, see interesting places, meet interesting people and kill them. You know, that kind of, that kind of was, uh, <laughs> was my thought process, but, um, at, around that time, um, I had, I had met my, who's now my wife. Um, things were getting pretty serious there. And, and my parents who owned the agency had picked up a contract with a new carrier that was going to take this program that was going to help us take this, this focus that we'd had to another, to another level. Uh, just back up a little further. This, this focus in our industry started about Oh, I want to say 35 years ago, um, when my grandpa, who owned the agency originally, uh, bought a small agency in, I think it was Pender, Nebraska, that had 15, 20 little butcher shops in it. And um, so, you know, niches form out of right. misunderstanding, you know, uh, limited market availability, high rates, that kind of stuff. So anyways, we, we'd cobbled this together and they'd had a, a you know, decent sized book. And, um, and they're like, well, it would be better for our son not to be in the military. <laughs> and, um, and because, and, and so we had this opportunity with a contract with a, um, a great company based out of, uh, uh, Sheridan, Iowa called Midwest Family Mutual. They were able to sit down with us and let us write some forms and endorsements that we needed to be competitive. But then they would also take on some of the more challenging risks as long as we could scale you know, and get Correct. the get the premium level up to where it needed to be to offset what we'd identified as potential losses. 
So, you know, that's kind of where I am. Uh, when I when I started, I want to say that that book, this was 11 years ago, that book had $60,000 of, uh, of commission income. And today it's teetering around half a million of, uh, of commission revenue. And that's the focus of your whole agency or is that no, just your specific focus? Oh, wow. Yep. That's your specific mm-hmm. focus. Okay. Me and uh, another guy here in my office, uh, my, uh, my associate, John Watson, um, he's kind of a mad scientist. Uh, he's, he would feel more of an account manager role if you had to define what he is. Um, but he's just kind of a maniac and he and I work really well together and, and, and that's what, you know, that's what we do. It's, it's uh, a lot of, I'm on the road quite a bit and, uh, well less now because of this, um, coronavirus stuff, but, um, you know, I, I, I catch them and he skins them and clean or skins them and fries them. I mean, that's, that's kind of how that process works for us. You know, um, so in our agency, we used to, I totally got out of sales completely and, and crew the agency, um, did what my mentor said that Jason, once you quit selling policies, you'll, the agency will explode. Well, it did. Um, and I've left that part and let it keep growing. But in this, we are going after whales and doing a lot of whale hunting. That's something we've turned our focus to over the last 12, 14 months. And we're having success with it. And I plan on bringing in another agent um, in about a year. But me and my business partner, Travis, that's how we attacked and grew the first part of the agency was I would go after it. That was my thing. I love going after it, talking, trying to get into the door. But once I get it, like I always say this, I'm great at taking something from A to L. But taking it from M to Z, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Travis, terrible A to L. Great M to Z. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's just like, great. Travis is like, dude, if you go get them and you bring them in here, dude, like you said, I'll skin them, cook them and everything. You take them back out and propose. I'm like, sweet. This is the deal. And we've been having a lot of success doing that. So it's great to hear that you guys do that as well. Now, you went back to the University of Nebraska and you got, it says here, a food processing management certificate for yeah. food technology and processing, whether right. or not that's big and, and and awesome and stuff. What I like about it is the point that you said, this is what we're going to niche out in. I'm going to try and go get educated in every way I can. And you went even outside the insurance industry back to right. regular education to, to get that. That was that was pretty cool. Did you do that on your own? Where'd you come up with that idea? Um, well, yes, it was on my own. And um, I don't know, just the idea of, I wanted to be, I wanted to say uh, certifiably that I'm the only certified food processing risk manager out there. And um, love, it, love it. And so if, if for, for, I mean, I, I learned a lot of anecdotal information from my customers, you know, uh, about the food safety systems and, um, and that kind of stuff. But I really wanted to, I really wanted to learn the academic side of it just so I knew, you know, who, I wanted to understand what their challenges were to deal with with federal and state and local compliance um, so I could build my risk programs that would ultimately fit some of the issues that that they could potentially have when, you know, Uncle Sam or your governor or, you know, whatever the whatever your department, you know, whatever your your local regulatory department says you have to do Mm -hmm. X, Y, Z. And um, so it, it helped me build. It helped me build a technical uh, level of experience of knowledge that that helps day to day. I like to. Um, I want to be the guy that's forgotten more about ensuring meat and food processing plants than than anybody else will ever know. And um, and that was you know that was a key step in that. The other step was to to start my CRM designation. I, I, I think I'm two classes in, and I have I, th- I think I have five years to to finish that up. I just looked at it like, is this, I don't know, it, it, oh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little iffy on, on designations. If, if somebody, if, if one of my customers came to me and said, I won't do business with you unless you have a CRM designation, I'll go get a CRM designation. I haven't heard that yet, so I haven't been necessarily right. pressed into getting one. No, you're bringing up a very good point. I did a couple podcasts a couple years ago about like, is the designation dead? Um, I was a CINC. I did not keep it. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I didn't keep it because I just didn't go to the classes. I loved the classes. It made me very, very smart, way ahead of a lot of people. I I do, I do agree with that. I think yours is a little different though, to be fair to you and to other people. I mean, food processing, 
dude, I don't know anything about nonprofits, but I just dove into that niche and just learned it and mm-hmm. stuff. And, and I didn't know anything about wholesalers and manufacturing, but I dove into it. But dude, food processing, that even kind of scares me, you know, like, and which is good for you, for agents to think this way, but like, cause there are a lot of like federal and state regulations. And I right. mean, oh my gosh, contamination and all this stuff that actually would kind of actually scare me. So um, I can definitely see that how you did that. And I would even think that at certain niches like that, I could see how those designations actually play more of a key than you having your CIC designation and ensuring $5,000 auto body shops, right? Right. There's a a difference there. What's the average size account that you uh, write? Um, so our, you know, our, our book is, um, we, we kind of have it split into three buckets really. I mean, there's the, you know, your small local family butcher shops, and then you have your, so there, there's, I mean, they, they represent part probably the largest percentage just like the sheer number of customers that we have. And then, and they're scattered all out, all, all across the Midwest. And then, you know, you have your next level that would be sort of the, the smaller end relatively i mean you, you hear about these smithfield plants getting shut down you know those those plants have 7000 employees and they're killing 50,000 hogs a day i mean i i don't, I don't I, we don't we don't work with anybody anybody like that but then you so you would have your your intermediate your intermediate packing middle plant. market yeah sure middle market uh, type packing plants and then on on in that same sort of revenue range you would have your private label manufacturers who are making beef jerky, snack sticks, salami, ah. that kind of stuff. So across, you know, it, it kind of varies. I would say, I would say on for that, for that first bucket, the the average revenue size is about three grand, not a ton, but small business is, uh, is something I think agents still need to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then those two other kind of tranches or buckets, if you will, you know, those are, those are hovering around 15 or 20. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a good balance. Yeah. So that's okay. That's good. And then, so how do you find, I mean, how do you find your prospects? I mean, how do you find them? I know you're probably getting them off referrals and stuff, but like other than referrals, if you're like, Hey, I need to drum up some new stuff and I need to look in some new um, territories. Right. What are some, some of the things that you do? Well, the, the beautiful thing about uh, working in, in an industry that is uh, federally regulated is that that's all public information? But you know, now, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only the only thing that you don't have is the name of the CFO or contact. I mean, and that just you know, you just do a little social engineering. People love to help. Don't ever forget that. And so you call up and you say, "Hey, I, you know, hey, Susie, I I need some help, and I was hoping you can help me out today." And and people, if you ask it that way, people are usually unequivocally prepared to help. Love so it. that's, that's, you know, those are like in terms of just pure cold, cold prospects, that's where those come from. And then we also attend a lot of, uh, you know, probably four or five state and uh, national um, food product trade shows that we've been exhibiting at for a long time. They, we built, um, you know, we built the expenses of attending those into our, you know, into our forecasting and modeling and, um, and the longer you go to those, the more they eventually ask you to speak at them and share a few words. And then, you know, your 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 best, you know, your best selection is going to be your 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 best way of prospecting is to get people to fear that they're missing out. And when you you know, you had mentioned that you guys you guys tried to hunt whales. Uh, so good luck, Moby Dick or Ishmael. Um <laughs> We, we, we take that same approach when, when we go into a new trade, trade association, we say, who's the president, uh, who are the biggest plants? And we go after them first. And then once we start talking to them, people see us talking to them, then, you know, then the call, the calls just eventually start to come in. Yep. How many calls roughly do you get a month probably of leads coming in, of in this, in this, for this niche? One, three, five, five, you know, five. So, I mean, you know, it varies, but I'm just the, curious. The country, or across the year, probably five. And, and, and you, you go ahead. But, well, what I was going to say is that a lot of them, you know, we always ask, where'd you hear from us? And, um, or where'd you know, where'd you hear of us? And it's usually, oh, Jeff Butcher shop down the road. You know, I had a problem with my, 
a claim or, you know, whatever. Um, and so that, you know, the, those, what we've heard from our, this is kind of counterintuitive. I mean, I don't normally, and, and Anson mentioned this in your podcast is you can't just sit around and wait for the phone to ring. But if you do, if you, if you have your, you know, I, I look at, I look at prospecting and, and there's three individual parts of it. There's your social selling, there's your referral selling, and then you just, you know, smile and dial. And if all three of those aren't working in the right in the right direction, or if they are, you're naturally going to get some of those people calling in. And so over the years, you know, we took and there's this there was no intent to this. Um, it just kind of happened to be this way is that I just started listening to what people were frustrated with and the problems that they were having. And um, that's, you know, that's the thing that goes into my into my into my initial pitch. You know, hi, my name's Cole. Name doesn't ring a bell. No reason it should. I'm a professional risk advisor. My customers come to me for three main reasons. One, they're afraid a loss is going to put them out of business. Two, they need somebody who speaks their language. And three, they're sick and tired of not knowing what they're paying for. Any of those things resonate with you. So that wow, you know. that's good. I like that. No, I'm serious. That's good. Puts them right on. Gets right to it. Doesn't waste a lot of their time. And I mean. Who doesn't necessarily have one of those issues? They're going to be lying to you if they tell you right. that. That's good, dude. That's good. So that's your icebreaker. That's your getting them. And then let me ask you this. Do you do you usually have one appointment with them or do you have two where you go in and now you're going to go deeper to say, just because they gave me an appointment doesn't necessarily mean they might not be the best fit. Right. Um, how, how, how do you approach that as you set that appointment? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I, for, for years I had uh, just operated under the kind of um, if I get copies of policies, I'm getting, I'm getting tie in. And, um, and so I'll just, I'll get a proposal um, and it, and I'll usually win it. You know, my, my hit ratio on, on, um, on propose is like 90% because we get a chance to tell our story. Um, I ran into some problems a few years ago where I, you know, I just kind of got in my own head. And I kind of started to settle a little bit. And so I, I ended up just happened to see um, Anson's uh, Rough Notes article, Anson, uh, Anson Thompson's Rough Notes article. And Love that, I just I sent him an email. It was just like, hey, what do you think? And and so he was the one that kind of helped me pull this together and uh Fortunately, I think I was his first his first uh, coaching uh, customer, mm-hmm. co- coaching client. So I think he just charged me dinner. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that cheap anymore. And um, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I guess at this at this point now, it's I use a little bit of a hybrid approach. You know, with a with a more complicated sale, there's there's going to be multiple steps. There's going to we're going to do the risk review. Uh, and then we're going to seek micro commitments as we go through the process. But with a with a smaller, you know, with a smaller guy who's, you know, got a single location and and ten employees, they don't really give it. Can I swear on this? They don't really. No, give you. A shit. They no, don't really no. give a shit about all that stuff. They know they what the problems are, and um, and right. so we can we can fix them real easily. And so because of that, you know, your your marketing message also changes a little bit based Very off much. the size of them. Yeah. Well, Dude, I can tell you're totally not a bullshitter because I mean you're you're hitting right on right on the keys of the things that I definitely um, definitely agree with, and I love what you're saying. Here's why I think. Here's what loyal listeners, a lot of people hear, and I want to I want to break down what Cole said here. We always hear, oh my gosh, he has a ninety percent hit ratio, like. 90% of the time he quotes and proposes, he's writing it. This dude's awesome. I think we're forgetting something. I think that you're quoting the people that you know you have a higher likelihood of getting. Right. Yeah. Here's the, 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 the questions that come up at the end are the questions that are there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's just we never ask them because we, as the inc- not being the incumbent agent, don't want to hear the answer. We think through our ego that we can build enough, you know, if, if, if it's built on relationships, we feel as if we can, we can just get it on price and then backfill with relationships. And then we get to the end of it and all those things come up of, well, my buddy's in it or, hey, we have this or all these problems come up that it took me. And I think you're the same thing. It's like one day I was like, wait a minute, those questions are going to get asked and answered. I want them to be when I want it to be, which is at the beginning, not at the end. 
And I think that that was a major factor for me. So I don't know if mine's 90%. I don't know if it's 70. Yours could be 83. The point is it's high. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is I, I can't say that I'm a rock star. It's kind of like the lawyer who says, hey, I'll take on your case if you give me a third of the money. He only takes on the cases that he knows he's going to win, right? right? Because that's, that's what he does. So everybody's like, man, that guy, he'll get you money every time because he only takes on the cases. That's not a dumb person. <laughs> that's kind right. of a smart person, right? right? And I think that's what we're kind of talking about here, Cole. That, uh, anything to add? Well, and, and, I, and, I would, and I would also add um, that the other, I think the other relationship that often gets overlooked in this whole process is your carrier relationships. Um, they know, they know a hundred percent from us that the opportunities that, that we're going to bring them are, we're already in the process. You know, we've, we've done our homework, we've done our research. And, and so I, I, I think, um, when, when we're talking about, you know, we, we have a, we have a set program with a small regional company out of, um, out of Iowa, Midwest family mutual, and we have some specific endorsements that we've written and they, and they they've been, I mean, they've been a game changer for us. And because of that, we get to do probably more with them than just your local contracts would. The same goes for, you know, the, but they have a geographic limitation though. So if there's, if there's somebody down in Texas or um, Oklahoma or California or something that, that we need a bigger player to take a swing at, or even in our, even in our core states that we need a bigger player to take a swing at, we're gonna get we're gonna get those bigger carriers to do stuff that they wouldn't normally do uh, for just your normal retail agent because there's a lot of credibility that we have in our and just that I guess what I'm getting at is the credibility goes both ways it goes to the prospects and it also goes to the carriers that they know that they're gonna get good legitimate submissions and they're not gonna spend all this time and money and these resources you know doing risk control and. And that kind of stuff, knowing and and then thinking, well, wait a second, you've got five other carriers working on this. That's not a way to build a relationship. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. No, it's not a way to build a way to build a relationship. And you know, one of the things I explain to that client, that prospect, when I'm sitting there in the first point, is um, is explaining one of the things that I've learned from David Carruthers is that um, a, a guy that's been teaching me um, some stuff is that the more we can wizard of Oz it, the more we can pull back the curtain, to me, that's a winning strategy for a lot of the other agents, Cole, that won't do that. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means sitting in front of them and asking them a question. Now, I do this in the first 15 to 20 minutes. I kind of have a, a, a process. But one of the things is, is I always tell them that I would like to talk to them about the insurance game. I'm not here really to talk about insurance in this first 20 to 25 minutes. I just want to talk about the insurance game and let you know how it's played. I'm going to tell you a lot of things that no one's ever told you before. I guarantee it's part of our marketing, actually, Jim. And that is, is that you're probably going to say to yourself in five to 10 minutes, like, why has no one ever told me this before? Why have I never heard this from my agent before? And that's okay. Everybody does. But the first question I really want to ask you is, is do you know that insurance companies, like the one that you have, they like to play with winners. They like to deal with winners. They want to win, Right. In my agency and in all agencies, there's a 92% chance that I'm going to keep the business. It's like a retention is what it's called, Jim. So that means there's a 92% chance that your agent's going to keep your business even though I'm sitting right in front of you. That's because that's the way the game's always been played. But here's the thing. I'm sitting in front of you and I'm actually messing up your game and I'm messing up his game from being able to help you because the agent or the company wants to deal with winners. And when I go to submit your policy, your your submission to them, they're going to say, are you the incumbent agent? And when I say no, 
they're going to know I have an 8% chance of getting it, which means I'm not going to get the best pricing. I'm not going to get the best coverages. And, and that's, that's kind of the deal. So what I would say is if you're going to deal with more than one agent, I'm going to back out of this situation because I don't want me to be messing up the relationship that your agent has with other carriers. Mm-hmm. Now, there's things that we can do. Um, and I think that I've found a lot of things by doing my homework to get here that I think that you definitely need me. If you remember correctly, I told you that you had a work comp problem and, and I'm specifically here for you. And the last thing I want to talk about is, and I go into a couple other things, but I'll say this, is my next thing is, do you realize that I was looking basically, I think you're somewhere in the neighborhood. I think I know your premium roughly. And and I wanted you to know, did you know that your agent is making about forty four dollars to $45,000 a year in commission off this policy? Now, I want you to know that I'm not against that. I want you to be behind the curtain once again and realize that we're going to do it for the same amount of money, but we're actually going to get you out of this problem that you're in. And one of the things that I like doing about that, Cole, is it likes to relate that they usually bring in the, their operations manager. They'll usually bring in their HR person or their CFO. And I'll sit there and ask them, you realize that you have a risk manager on, on staff, right? Like you're paying $44,000 a year to, mm-hmm. you, you realize that, right? And what's really funny is when the HR person makes about $45,000 a year right. and you're, it's the agent, right? And so, and so what I'm doing is, is I'm not bashing the other agent. I'm not doing anything. And so people who think that way aren't listening. What I'm doing is I'm explaining the process to the client, to the prospect. That's all I'm doing. Everybody else always wants to keep it behind closed doors. Like we don't want to let them see any of this. Right. You know, and I said, and you know what I say to the client? And what happens is they show up a week or two before renewal. They didn't show you anything. And all of a sudden they show you something. They expect you to eat it. That's not the way that we work. That's why I'm here and your renewal is not for seven months. You know, so we go through those different types of things. And I'm just like you. I've always built my life based on Jim Rohn says, find out what 95% of the people do and do the exact opposite. and You'll be successful. And that's what I do. I realized, dude, I realized this, Cole. And it took, it was hard, hard to look in the mirror that I was a very good insurance agent for 16 years selling commercial insurance and I was doing it all wrong. I was doing it like it's always been done. And I thought to myself, and when David Carruthers basically smacked me upside the head and said, Cass, look what you're doing. Look at what these other people are doing. And I started looking at these other people. I started noticing that they have 3 million revenue agencies and they got eight people that work in there. And I look at most 3 million revenue agencies and they have 25 people working in there. And I said, how do I get that rather than that? And it goes on a targeted prospect approach of who you're going after. And you're like, I'm sorry, loyal listeners, this is a podcast about him. But Cole, thinking that, knowing, I mean, we're, what we're doing right now is we're trying to help people who are listening, right? Your style, my style, and trying to approach that. And when we come at them that way, um, do you usually, just asking, depending on the situation, let's say this is a middle market account, 80, 150, 200,000 in premium, let's say, um, do you... Do you go at it for the initial meeting and then continue on there? Or do you say, hey, I think this is something we can do. Let's set another time to come back later. Because I know you're on the road. This this is yeah. one's way is not better than the other. I'm curious right. what you do. Yeah. You know, like our, our first, um, uh, let, let, let's just, I mean, if somebody was referred to me, a lot of that fitting, you know, fitting process is done already. True. We typically know each other as it is. And, and this year was just the time that we're going to do it. Gotcha. But, um, but you know, with like a, just a, a purely prospected cold call that's, that's worked out so much, so much of what we do is, is, you know, I, I think, I, I think agents will talk about, well, I, I'm a relationship kind of guy and, you know, I, I like to build relationships with people. And it's like, well, yeah, I do too. But I'm not sure. I'm not in this business to be anybody's friend. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to advocate. I'm trying to advocate for uh to keep safe food on the tables of the millions of americans that need it and i take that i take that real seriously so a lot of that stuff comes into you know we're we're problem solvers but the problem that we do not solve is your premium you know we we (laughs) it's not worth it so you know like like i said a lot of that fitting process comes in and you can you know you can just ask a few questions and you've been in this long enough like you and i have that you're gonna know that the guys that are out shopping because you can see it when it takes them six weeks to get you their loss history and then you get it 
and it's uh it's from four different carriers going back the 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 oh seven years that we asked for whatever it is mm-hmm. so i you know i i i think and i don't know if i answered your question exactly but no you did but I, the other i think the other thing that i would that i would suggest to, to agents out there is i think it, it doesn't really take I've gotten I've gotten some flack from people who are like, well, you were you lucky you you fell into a niche that, you know, that that was underserved. And I was like, I I might have been. But I'm also in Nebraska. You know, there there's a, a you know, we're the largest per capita beef state in the country. Um, shout out to, to Big Red Beef. But, um, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't take a whole lot to find it to, to, to make a niche. I mean, if you're if you're a generally curious person um, like I am and I think you are probably as well. You can build a niche around really anything that's interesting. If, if auto body shops are interesting, go ahead. You know, make go do go do you. But the more the more time that you spend in in that niche, knowing the ins and outs of it, your retention rate goes through the roof. Ours, I got to give you throw you a little shade here. Ninety two percent is kind of laughable. Ours is like ninety eight point five. Okay, uh, but <laughs> we also right. and we also don't move carriers ever. I mean, if if there's some issue that they that people ask us to we're not we're not continually bidding because we're, we're just always making sure that the relationships move in the right direction but then the other thing is every now and then you'll stumble across a prospect who's insured by i don't know say a carrier that you represent you have a program with so what I, what i would tell agents is don't be afraid to get that broker record letter if you if you have a, a uniquely better product and by product i mean set of skills services knowledge forms and endorsements, those kinds of things. Don't be afraid to ask for it. You know, the worst they're going to do is say no. And um, and then if that's the case, then you know you're not really a serious player in this business anyways. Yep. That's where they get mistaken. You said it, you started out with it. When we get all um, our feelings hurt based on the fact that we think we have a relationship, but yet Jason Cass walked out the door with a BOR. Well, yeah. first of all, as I said a minute ago, you're not, your relationship obviously wasn't as strong as you, but you also realized you let the relationship get in front of what you're there to do, which is to help their business, right? Right. That's actually what we're here to do. And at the end of the day, yes, our relationship is strong, but I think you think that he liked when you came in because you gave him tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals baseball game. That that's not the relationship. He appreciated that. Right. She loved that as the owner, but she that's not at the end of the day what's going to make her employees more safe and their food better handled and processed and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying there, dude. True story. Uh, if you're in the mastermind, you probably already know about this because I've been talking about it in there. Last Thursday, I'm having this phone call with these people. Um, their, their workers cop is $110,000. I'm talking to them. I had got their mod sheet. They had given me their five-year loss runs. That's what I ask for when I'm first there. And when I leave to end of that, I leave with five years loss runs, permission to get their mod sheet and five years payroll. That's all I need. Because when I come back, I'm going to ask for the BOR because I'm going to find a lot of things. We find that over 54, Travis says it's like 54% of the time, the modification sheet is wrong. And really? when we can go back and, oh God, it's it's unbelievable. And we will devastate agents because like in Florida, you can file what's called an aggravated inequity, which means we can go back on that mod sheet and we can get those corrected. Well, you can go back in Florida and you can go back and get people's premium back. You're going to devastate that other agent. They don't give a crap who that agent is. If you're coming in and you're going to bring them $60,000 back because the modification factor was wrong over the last three years, they're going to love you, right? Here's the deal. In Illinois, you can't file that. So I position it the other way as you need to make sure you have an agent who's staying on top of this because if they make the mistake, you can't go back and file that aggravated inequity. So there's little bitty things like that that go, oh, my point of is this story. I was on a go to meeting with them, Cole. They couldn't meet with me because of COVID, but their their insurance comes due 10-1. In our agency, it's time to start working on this thing because we have this positioning for the mod. I'm going over. She says, I want you guys to meet. The CFO says, I want you to meet with everybody. They bring everybody in this conference room. It's uh, six people in there. I mean, everybody's in there. I'm on go to meeting. I present my case, what I saw, um, what I was seeing. And basically said, you're in serious trouble. You have a 435,000 reserve claim that's getting ready to roll onto your mod that you had a year and a half ago. And it's going to be incredible. And they're like, yeah, we know we're, we're just waiting for that mod to come out. I said, 
how about by the end of the day, I give you what your mod's going to be. I gave them what their mod is going to be, what it went to through Zywave. They sent me an email that I have taken a picture of and put into the mastermind and talked about this story. They sent me an email and said, here is our deck pages for our workers comp. We're getting everything else. We'd like for you to be our agent of record. I didn't even ask him because I was coming back in the next time. $110,000, Cole. Last night, last night, today is May 7th, everybody. Last night I was sitting at home and the insured sent me the deck pages and says, here's all our deck pages. $70,000 general liability, $95,000 business auto. Umbrella is a $6 million umbrella for $55,000. Added up this account, it's a $317,000 account that I got BOR'd to me and I did it on a go-to meeting. I have yet to even walk into the building to see them because they're three hours away from me. Right. And there's an agent who's going to be mad because he's going to say, or she's going to say, it's a he because I know who the agent is. <laughs> they're going to get mad because they're going to say that I don't know how to sell because I didn't have the relationship and they did. Who gives I can't a shit about that stuff anymore? Exactly. <laughs> Dude, Sherry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say. The executive director um, is hot. And, and really, to be honest with you, I didn't even show her like the big stuff because I, I, you know, I was trying to keep it very summarized because I was on right. go to meeting. But dude, the two or three things I showed her, she was like, I specifically asked them about that, you know, and wait, what way happened here? What happened here? And I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. and dude, I mean, it blew me away. It shocked me. But my point of this whole thing was, is all I did was explain the insurance game, explain how this has always been done, how we're going to do it differently. I invested which is what relationships are about. I invested in a software program that's very expensive, but it allows me to be able to give them the diagnosis and then give them the pres pr uh, the prescription to fix it. Right. I mean, three hundred and seventeen thousand dollars. I'm going to be honest with you, Cole. I don't know if I was a business owner if I'd do that. Maybe that's why I'm not a business owner of a big ass agency or big right. company like that. But it blew me away that that person uh, did that, but they felt that confidence with me. Cole, you run into those situations all the time. I'm running into these situations. This is the hope for the loyal listeners of why we bring Cole on for that. Cole, as we wrap this up, is there anything you want to add to this? Any, any place you want to go? Um, maybe something that was forgot to be said? You know, I, I think um – I, I yeah, you, I, glad you asked because um, I think sometimes when you when you work too heavily in a niche, you can get a little too lax on yours. Work comp is a huge thing in the in the meatpacking industry. Um, so we say it's dangerous, doesn't have to be unsafe, and here's how to make it you know somewhat safer. But uh, but a, a lot of it comes down to just being a, a technically good agent, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> So it, thought. Yeah, it sounds it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I mean, I, I, can't, I can't even tell you how many times I see large commercial property insured for half. I mean, and it's like, OK, you know, so instead of saying, um, you know, take it, you know, instead of asking them a question about their mind, which we which we always do, because that's always somebody's focus. My my point, my point of focus is let's focus on the coverage that's going to put money in your pocket. It's going to keep your business open. Because liability and work comp are third-party coverages, you know, they're the those claims are going to somebody else, and you can be upset with them as much as you want, but you know that's kind of the nature of the beast. So I, I try to steer that conversation to things that they are going to keep them in business. What's your business income limit? Um, have you ever done a rating worksheet? You know, when was the last time you you actually did a review of your equipment list? And that's where a lot of that that you know built-in knowledge that we have about based on typical sizes of buildings, we know if it's a large building, 50,000 plus square feet, it's gonna blow people away, but it should be insured for 250, 300 bucks a square foot. And because it's a meat packing plant, it can only ever be that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so I, I, I would just remind, I would just remind agents to, you know, if, if you do, if you learn nothing else from investing in your own, your, your own knowledge, learn how to do some of those simple things really well and and get away from that you know look copy quote pray model that that so many so many agents have you know they're just stuck in it and you know it i don't want to i don't want to talk badly about anybody but you're really not doing anybody any good you're not doing those employees any good you're not doing your employees any good and you're certainly you know you're sure shit not helping that business owner at all 
And so do those little things right. Invest in those little things and and position yourself to be to be the one what really G, Rudy Giuliani said after the 9/11 terror attacks he said you need to be the calmest guy in the in the room full of chaos and mm-hmm. if you if you invest in yourself which i would say that people listening to this are taking time out of their day to invest in their own knowledge they're the best you know invest invest in invest in Zywave. i mean i we use that stuff all the time and it's not that terribly expensive i mean it's, it's not you know, you just fold it into your operations and you have. If, now that it. we're writing big counts, it's like a drop in the bucket. Right. Before we were writing the big counts, we had to invest in that. We were like, damn, yeah. Shit's yeah. you know, but, yeah. but, you know, you got it. Hey, that makes you get out there and write that business because you well, know that sucker's getting ready to hit the credit card, you know? Right. So, and your right carriers there. will help you pay for it too. I mean, yes, they will. Yeah. That, that is a very, a, very Don't good. be afraid to ask for co op dollars from your carriers. They, they all have mm-hmm. a certain amount. I mean, heck, one of our carriers helped helped pay for us to go to a, a trade show in Chicago back in October that we would have never thought about going uh, just because how expensive it was. Um, mm-hmm. But they they chipped in. They were at the booth with us. And wow, that's so great. I, that's that's those are kind of the last the lasting pieces of information I I would have is to is to find find something that's interesting to you. Start working out from there, and then make sure. Make sure you're still picking up the phone. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. Even in times when it's weird out, people's insurance is still renewing, and um, and a lot of a lot of people look at look at their insurance agent as a oh I mean when was the last time you were in a meeting and you talked about a renewal for for five minutes and talked about life for the next two hours? Happens all the time, right? Absolutely, right. So yeah, that's that, those are no, that, my that's absolutely, and that, that's our thing. Um, I train that to my producers not to steer away from it. But in the first that first twenty to thirty minute, we will bring it up to the ins- to the prospect at the end. Have you noticed that we didn't talk about insurance at all? Right now, I love I love your counter move. So your counter move is good because so, so that's good to know, Cole. But I, I but it, we didn't talk about that because we're going to talk about that. That's why I'm here. But at the first part of the thing, I just got to let you know. And the reason is, Cole, and I'll end with this. And thank you very much for for coming on. Is we I believe in the. I call it 15, 25, and 60 rule. Okay. And 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 this is this is not what I made up, but this is something that I've learned from many, many salespeople over the last two years is this. 15% of the people, statistically speaking, are loyal and they have a family member as their agent. They will not move. Right. It's not gonna happen. Okay. 60% of those people will probably move. They're really happy, kind of loyal, but, you know, build a relationship two or three years later, they probably move, right? You're just going to have to work at 25% of them are unloyal or unhappy. Our agency's goal is our victory is in the 25%. That means one out of four. That means that if I can prospect with the right targeted list, I'm going to find them. Now, you may not like that. And maybe you say, Jason, you're just going after the low hanging fruit. Yep. Guilty. Just like the lawyer who's going to say, hey, I'm going to do the ones I'm going to represent those who I can win. Okay, you may see that, but that's that's smart. We're here to make money for our families. You know, we're not here to create stress and hope we make money. And so leaders are readers and readers are leaders. What are you reading right now? Cole, are you a reader? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I studied, I studied uh, Eng- uh, oh, English writing literature in college. Duh, yeah. Um, yeah, what uh, so I just finished a book called Blood Meridian uh, by Cormac McCarthy. It's the, he's the guy that wrote the the book uh, No Country for Old Men. So if anybody's seen that movie, you know, he's yeah, he it's and this book is it could never be a movie. It is brutal. What is it again? Say it is it. What is it? It's called Blood Meridian. Blood Meridian. Yeah, it's set in uh, Texas, Mexico, in the 1850s. And then wow. um, ne- the next book I'm going to read is um, Chaos by Tim O'Neill. It's about the um, the Tate LaBianca murders and uh, and the Charlie Manson uh, cult and CIA's involvement in that. And then uh, another good one that I just that I, that I finished up uh, a little while ago that I would recommend anybody to read is Coyote America. I can't the the author's name is escaping me at this point, but coyotes are fascinating animals. I mean, they're just you know, really, you know, and 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 the country's effort, efforts to uh, to rid the population, they didn't realize that the more coyotes you kill, the more pups they have. And when you hear coyotes, wow. when you hear coyotes howling at night, they're doing a roll call. Um, and so when they don't hear 
when they don't hear uh, the voice of Fred Coyote or, you know, whoever's missing, the, the females, they'll go into estrus like that. And then they'll have like, instead of having a litter of two or three pups, they'll have like five or six. Wow, dude, that is fascinating. Yeah. Fun stuff. Wow. Fun stuff. Wow. Wow. That's the real agency intelligence right there, <laughs> folks. Cole, thank you for your time, man. Hey, thank thanks, you very Jason. much for your time. Yeah, loyal listeners, I try to bring you the best, and I think I succeeded again today with Cole Williams. I really do appreciate um, everybody uh, listening in and doing what you do. Our, our downloads are exploding, and they're exploding because you're sharing things. Um, I think it's ex- exploding because we're getting people like Cole who are coming on and exposing um, why he is a leader in the food and processing um, in insurance market. He's, he's a real deal. And I think you found that out. Um, I like what you said though, Cole, and, and I think it's really important. Learn to do the little things well. I think that's really, really important. I mean, I like to make things um, simple sometimes. Sometimes I make them complicated, but I like that as well. So thank you very much, man. Uh, And to all you loyal listeners, you know I love you. You know I do. I do this. I do it for you. Um, This has been Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence, where we have given you the real agent, which is Cole Williams, inside a real agency, his agency that I don't know their name, but there it is, and giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This has been Cass, he's been Cole, and we're out. Hey, agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it, really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.